You're listening to a podcast from Washington Post Live, bringing the Post's newsroom to life on stage. The Smithsonian Anthology of Hip-Hop and Rap chronicles the rise and impact of the genre as a cultural and social movement. Spanning four decades, the anthology weaves in selections of music, reflections from artists including Chuck D and MC Light, and archival material. In this episode, Kevin Young, director of the Smithsonian's National Museum of African American History and Culture, and Dwandalyn Reese, the museum's associate director for curatorial affairs, join Washington Post Live to discuss the expansive new project. Let's listen. Hello, and welcome to Washington Post Live. I'm Robin Gavon, senior critic at large for the Washington Post. And today, as part of our Race in America series, we are talking about the Smithsonian Anthology of Hip Hop and Rap, which will be released tomorrow. My guests today are Kevin Young, the director of the National Museum of African American History and Culture, and Dr. Dwandalyn Reese, who is the organization's associate director for curatorial affairs. Welcome to you both. Thank you. Thanks for having us. I thought I would start with you, Dr. Reese, and uh, if you can just give us a sense of why the Smithsonian felt it was important to put together this anthology. What was the, the impetus for it? Well, the impetus, I mean, it, it ties a lot to the philosophy of Smithsonian Folkways Records and the National Museum of African American Culture. And our museum is, is about the past, but also about the present and the future. And hip hop has been around with us for 40 plus years. And so it's just a natural outgrowth of looking at the African American experience through a contemporary lens. And for Smithsonian Folkways, a lot of the uh, desire around this project is really seeing hip hop as community music, looking at its birth and its origin stories, really coalescing around the idea of community, com community and finding a voice to express uh, joys, sorrows, anger about the current circumstances. I mean, the, the anthology consists of both essays, photography, and also the music itself. And it, in many ways, it seems like putting it together would be sort of the ultimate task for, and, you know, the, the result being something that people would argue over for uh, generations to come. I mean, how did you, what was the, the process of being able to winnow down decades of, of music and culture into something that, well, not quite manageable because it's quite big, but at least, you know, compact. A project like this, like any list or any anthology is, is very difficult. How do you make those choices? And we were very intentional from the beginning to really make this a grassroots project. So it wasn't the Smithsonian coming up with the idea and making the decision. We had a community of advisors, then we had an executive committee made up of scholars, artists, journalists, industry folks um, who made that decision. The advisors selected, I believe, some 900 songs. And from those 900 songs in one, in one meeting in November 2014, the executive committee sat through and went through that entire list to choose the tracks that would uh, 
we like to say that this list is not the definitive story of hip hop, but it is a story of hip hop. So the selections are really based on tracks that help illustrate the story of hip hop as it evolves, the, the critical moments, the critical stories and issues. So you could replace any of those tracks with other things, but this is a story and this is a place to get the dialogue going. Before we get into some of the, the specific tracks that are there, uh, Director Young, I wanted to ask you just sort of more broadly, um, when we, we talk about hip hop and uh, you know, the poetry of hip hop, how does that fit into the broader mission of the, the institution? You know, how, does it, how do you connect the dots to the other elements that are part of the museum? Well, thanks for having us and, and uh, thanks for featuring this such important anthology. Uh, you know, I think it very much fits in the long story we tell, uh, starting in the museum, if you've been there, uh, starts in the bottom and thinks about history, but also connects to culture. And you can't have one without the other or a museum of both. And to me, uh, hip hop really illustrates that connection between history and culture. It names the times. Uh, Chuck D, who is one of the people who helped us think through these uh, tracks, um, you know, said that hip hop was CNN for black people. And that idea, I think, is so powerful if we think about over time, the issues from the message to the moment we're in now um, speak to what's happening uh, in everyday life. And I, I love that there's an organic quality both to how the anthology was created, but also how hip hop was created. And it mirrors in many ways the museum, which uh, you know comes about from the things that people brought us, the people kept close and treasured. And hip hop is one of those things. Uh, they kept the, uh, you know, great eight ball jackets and the great outfits and the uh, radios and the, and the things that made hip hop, the mixers. Uh, and we've also been collecting that material. And so it's really important moment, I think, as we look back toward hip hop and we look back in the fifth anniversary of the museum too, and think about the ways that culture is still happening. History is a living thing and we need to chronicle that as well. In one of the really interesting um, elements is the idea that the choices really reflect uh, the ways in which the music and the culture was moving forward and the impact it was having in, in any given moment. I mean, as you go from sort of the origins of hip hop, uh, you know, we do get to a point where uh, Director Young, you, you just brought up uh, Public Enemy. And you know that was a, a, a moment when it seemed as though hip hop was really starting to speak to very directly uh, to uh, issues of social issues, political issues. I mean, can you talk a little bit about the the impact that Public Enemy really had in our understanding of what hip hop could be? Absolutely. I mean, I think uh, Dr. Reese can describe it too, but I think it's a sonic and a social uh, mix. I mean, what's beautiful about Public Enemy is that layered sound they had. Uh, I remember dancing to it myself, but it's dancing and thinking at the same time, which is, uh, I think, the kind of thing that hip hop offers us. 
But we have to remember this is a hip hop's one in a long line of black music uh, inventions, innovations that I think are central to us thinking about American culture, but also world culture. Uh, soul music also was social and made you move. Blues thought about expressing individual feelings um, through this, what I like to think of as a kind of I, that's also a we. You know, when Bessie Smith is singing, you start to feel that connection to her and to that experience. And I think in that long tradition, hip hop makes a lot of sense and Public Enemy seems like it's very much connected to other music, whether it's soul music or uh, funk music or however you want to think of it. And of course, uh, hip hop is made up of those musics. It, it literally samples them, it, it riffs off them, it refers to them. And that long tradition that is also a jazz tradition uh, is really powerful. And that layered sound, I think, is also a way of thinking about our layers of responsibility and thought as we move about the world and maybe move on the dance floor. Dr. Reese, would you like to add to that? Um, the only thing I would add is, is um, you know, sometimes the discussion about hip hop is generational and just all the interviews we've been doing and conversations we're having, I really think there is something to hip hop as a movement, just like any other movement in time. It started as a grassroots effort and just blew up. But I, I also think of that post-civil rights generation as you know, after the legislations and accomplishments in the 60s, as the country is still trying to find itself, that hip hop develops as another tool, just as, as uh, Director Young mentioned, of, of fulfilling a long tradition of how to address issues, how to innovate and create new sounds. And I see hip hop as pulling us forward, not only African-Americans, but all people who listen to it from the philosophies behind it, the sounds, the experimentation, the, the fluidity of it, the message. And, you know, I think it's, Arguably, some would argue, but if we start to look at it after these 40 years, that it is a cultural and social moment that has not only shaped America, but uh, the global community as well. So, you know, part of this, this, uh, this set is, is not only for the aficionados, but is also for those people who may not understand what hip hop's all about. And we all know that they're preconceptions about all ideas of what hip hop is, and they, they still continue in some quarters. And so the box set itself with the music, with the essays, with the images and the liner notes really paints hip hop just as any kind of historical, cultural, social movement that has existed over time and frames it from a variety of perspectives. So, you know, one of the hopes we have is that people start to understand that and appreciate the genre and the culture for what it is and what has contributed to society. How important what is it that this is something that is, you know, it's rooted in, in a museum and that gives it a, a, and that automatically gives it a sense of history and legacy? Because I think a lot of people think of hip hop as something that belongs to the youth when in fact there is this incredible history and a lot of the people who were there at the beginning are not really quite that young anymore. I mean, how important is that to recognize that multi-generational aspect to hip hop? 
Well, I, I, real quick, I, I think you see in just this past year when we lost Bismarcky and DMX and all these artists, how important it is to appreciate and collect and retain this history. Uh, and, you know, sometimes to find out from the sources themselves uh, how they view that history. And, you know, I think it's so important that we do this uh, now and we look ahead to the future, but also look back. And and I think our collecting around this area has been so fruitful because we've dedicated ourselves to thinking about it in this big context of black culture and global culture, uh, which it's uh, inarguably influenced. Um, but I think you're right. It's it's really uh, a moment to reflect on how long hip hop's been with us and what it's given us. And one of the uh, wonderful aspects of the anthology is the, the emphasis that's placed on the women who were instrumental in founding both founding hip hop and moving it forward. Um, there's a terrific essay in, in the anthology in which it's noted that um, that with you know without those women who uh, were sort of the foremothers in hip hop, there wouldn't be a her, a Lizzo, a Megan the, Stall the Stallion. Um, we've got some great pictures of uh, some of the women rappers, but I mean, how how difficult or how uh, challenging was it to make sure that um, these women were included when there was a period in hip hop's history when they were kind of erased uh, sort of from public view? Uh, that's for you, Dr. Reese. Well, it, it was intentional to make sure women were included and because we have to make that extra effort because the dominant popular narratives do tend to erase women. And we have to be intentional to make sure that they are included as part of the story, not an add-on, but as part of the story. So it, it is also an exercise to, to remind visitors and our audiences and people who love hip hop um, that, that women, are involved in hip hop in every shape and form, whether it's photographers, entrepreneurs, record executives, artists, designers, and the like. And, and part of our mission as a museum is to make sure that these stories are, are really complex and represent the breadth of, of the African-American experience, giving voices to the unvoiced. So um, we, we take that very seriously. And I think we have to make that extra effort because so much of the journalism and the history that's written still does not um, include women. And so ideally in some great world, next time somebody does something like this, women just instantly come to mind. But we have to, we have to make an effort to make sure that people know and remember and elevate those people who may not be as famous and well-known as others. How did you wrestle with some of the um, the cultural aspects of hip hop, the the sexism that uh, is there, with the, the homophobia, um, you know, with um, you know the uh, abuse that uh, was in in many ways part of uh, the culture, which is sort of part of the broader culture. I mean, did you debate whether or not? certain people should be included because of that? How did that work? That's an interesting question. Um, at the end of the day, you know, people are complicated and have complicated stories, but when you're telling a story, um, a historical story, it is, it's really difficult to leave someone out who has influenced and shaped other people or shaped the music. 
So on one level, we focus on the story, but we don't distance ourselves of the changing perceptions and, and how one's, one's image might have changed due to incidences or past, um, past situations. Um, and I think a lot of that is, is explored in the telling. I, I, I am mindful that the anthology can't be all things to all people and all the themes and topics we couldn't possibly address. But we, we do address that in other ways through our programming, through a website, so that we really um, get visitors to engage with some of these other issues, which don't have easy answers. But um, our museum is, is not very shy about confronting these things and having really constructive conversations about them. Yeah, doc, Dr. Young, or Director Young, I mean, I'm curious because there was a period, particularly with the rise of like gangster rap, where the emphasis really became on a very particular kind of masculinity, a very particular kind of black masculinity. Um, as you um, sort of look at the, the way that that was reflected in hip hop, I mean, do you draw connections uh, between that and the ways that uh, black masculinity is reflected in other aspects of the museum? Oh, that's an interesting question. I think I think of it uh, as a conversation, you know, and uh, I think that the anthology is having a conversation amidst itself. You know, the rappers are often rapping back to each other, uh, the ba rap battle, um, but also rock, something like Roxanne, Roxanne, I remember thinking about in college as the Roxanne cycle and the idea that there was like a kind of epic cycle to that. Um, and I think it's really important to say there's these different voices sometimes contesting each other and hip hop itself uh, has a history of people having those arguments, uh, sometimes uh, backstage, but often on stage and on wax uh, for us to understand. I think there is a long conversation too about gender and, and uh, equity, all these kinds of questions. Uh, and a good museum like our museum and the Smithsonian as a whole, I think, thinks about that with you, uh, helps you think about it, shows you the story, as Duan's mentioning, and tells it over time. I think the context is really important. Uh, that conversation and that context is what I try to help people focus on and see it for themselves and see it and hear it in this case uh, up close and firsthand. And if you know the music, you know it's layered um, and, and how do you experience it? Uh, how do we see it in relation to each other? I think that's the important aspect of the music and the anthology. Um, Dr. Reese, can you talk a little bit about the point at which, um, you know, that there's this incredible broadening of hip hop and, you know, it really becomes the popular music, the popular music. Uh, and you start to see, I mean, I, I'm presuming you sort of start to see this uh, with the arrival of someone like Vanilla Ice, who makes an appearance in the anthology, uh, and then it moves on. I will let you defend <laughs> the presence of Vanilla Ice. <laughs> well, let me say this, and we teased out part of the playlist a couple of years ago, and there, was, there were a lot of responses about that. But I, I like to quote MC Light, which he said, when we spent maybe an hour just, oh, this is so hard to do. I don't know how to make a choice. But she said something, you know, to, at the end of the day, if a track moves the story of hip hop forward, it 
it is a critical part of the overall story. So we're not making judgments on chart placement, number of Grammy awards or things like that. But who's this, we, we all know when Vanilla Ice came on the scene, there was a lot of conversation about it. Um, you know, from the track itself, from um, a white artist doing a, an African-American art form. I mean, all kinds of issues come out and that's, I like to say it's the beauty of it, that there's so much to think about and the implications. So, you know, person may not put, you know, the track may not hold up 30 years from now, but if it moved the culture, it moved the story, then it's a critical moment in the overall picture of its evolution. And is there another moment um, in, in recent history where you've, where the, the advisory board really felt like uh, this track, um, you know, moved hip hop in a completely different direction. I mean, I'm wondering if that conversation came up with someone like a Kanye West or a Kendrick Lamar. It did, it, it, it did, but we, we had this cutoff at 2013 um, for a variety of reasons, not only the, the size of the box set, but um, licensing issues and trying to have a critical distance because even as we're doing that, there are moments in hip hop occurring. You know, Kendrick Lamar wants a Pulitzer Prize. I mean, there are all kinds of things that we could do another set for the last uh, seven or eight years. But we did think about that um, in making the choices and how it's presented. We even talked about doing a precursor CD to show that, you know, hip hop did not evolve out of a vacuum, that there are precursors in every musical genre, particularly in African-American music, we building on one thing after the other. So what's important to me is not only to explore the importance of hip hop, but to place it in that continuum of African-American cultural expression. Uh, one, one of, sort of a little bit of an aside, but I was curious about thinking of um, the music being presented on CD. Like wh why that particular format as opposed to sort of old school vinyl or digital? Purely economics. Um, the cost of producing a vinyl set with all these tracks would have made the box set really prohibitive, um, expensive to a lot of our audience. And we wanted, you know, it's, it's not cheap, but we wanted we want it out there. We want people to be able to purchase it. We, we spent a lot of time talking about that too, and it'd be really neat, but it's a much more expensive project to put together if we went that route. It's also pretty heavy as it is. I can't imagine all that vinyl. <laughs> um, <so laughs> wouldn't it? I think it's also, I mean, I know the CDs are outdated and only, you know, traditionalists like me still have my CD collection, but, um, the, the package is really the whole thing. You know, you can put together a list and stream it all on Spotify, but it's the combination of the tracks, of the essays, of the liner notes, the images. When you start to juxtapose those things, you start to get different kinds of stories. I know you mentioned uh, masculinity and gangster rap. Then we could bring out Andre 3000, who's challenging, you know, versions of masculinity. So these, these whole things are in conversation with each other. So this is really an object that we've created for our audiences to engage with time and time again in, in providing a foundation and really engaging with the music in new and different ways.
As you think about that audience, I'm curious, I mean, depending on, uh, you know, what do you think that, you know, the sort of the diehard pop fan may uh, take away from the anthology versus someone uh, who really knows very little about the, the music and the culture? I mean, can they find, um, you know, sort of a meeting of the minds there? I think so. I, and I think they've we've already seen versions of that online. And, uh, you know, there was a Kickstarter campaign around this and people's enthusiasm was really palpable. Uh, for me, as someone whose first record I ever bought with my own money was Run DMC's King of Rock, I was just blown away by the 129 tracks, the real breadth of the collection. I think that's really important. And having done, uh, you know, paper anthologies of poetry and other things, it's really hard to pick, you know. Uh, and, and to pick out of 50 years, really, of this music, I think it's just so dynamic and powerful. And, and the essays alone are worth the price of admission. And so to have that music and the essays in conversation with each other, too, is really important. And I think there's something for everyone. I think if you don't know hip hop that well, um, you m might hear songs that you actually know more than you thought. I mean, I think that's the other thing is hip hop is so broad. It has such broad aspects and someone like Lauren Hill, for instance, has such a rich range of, of sounds that we call hip hop, but in another world we might call, you know, soul music or, or something like that. So there's really a, a combination of, of sounds and also aspects and, and points of view that I think people will be really enriched by whether they know the music well or not. And when you think about the the moment that we're in now, I mean, how, um, Director Young, how would you describe the kind of conversation that hip hop is having with with the culture at large uh, in in this moment? Well, I think sometimes it's direct, uh, and sometimes it's very topical, but sometimes it's also escape. You know, I, I think both are are valid forms of re reaction to our current moment. Um, and I, I think if you look back at what black music has always provided to black folks, it's been that outlet of expression, sometimes of, of anger, but sometimes coded anger, and sometimes of joy. And joy, uh, as the poet Toy Derricott reminds us, is an act of resistance. And that kind of resistance and, and joy, that the song Happy by Pharrell, for instance, you know, is a is a way of thinking about the ways that happiness, you know, uh, is is something revolutionary. And so, I, you know, I like that uh, the the music isn't all serious or all one thing. And I think that right now is is a moment of that, where you see women rappers rapping about uh, pleasure and their bodies and and the future, and you. <laughs> see people rapping about uh, whatever they want, you know, and, and daily life. I think that's really important. And the, my last question uh, to you, uh, Director Young, is, um, you, you know, you sort of mentioned the, the poetry and the, the protest and the joy. I mean, are you finding that there is a better understanding of that link between the music and, and poetry, um, you know, the art form? Um, as we see someone, the enthusiasm behind someone like, you know, an Amanda Gorman. Well, I think poetry is definitely having a moment, uh, which is great. And I think hip hop in some ways paved the way for it, uh, makes us lyrically aware. I think of these as two different things. If I could rap, I would, but I'm a, I'm a poet. Um, so I think <laughs> about poetry and its power. Uh, mm -hmm. And, you know, I don't think we have to pick one or the other. Um, but mm -hmm. it is true, especially if we think about 
uh, antecedents and and you know uh, the people who helped bring hip hop into being someone like Gil Scott Heron or the Last Poets. These are poets who um, crossed over from poetry into music and into hip hop in some ways and were inspiration. So there is this long tie in history, um, but you know poetry is its own art and so is hip hop. And I think that's important to remember that hip hop has its own power, passion, connection to the past. Uh, and and you know, I wouldn't trade anything for those uh, layered tracks that you get to hear and and think while you dance. Well, I think we will have to leave it at there. Leave it right there. Um, hopefully, maybe you'll come back and you will rap for us. I don't know. <laughs> like I said, not a rapper. <laughs> I'm the DJ. <laughs> the song goes. Well, I thank you both so much for being with us this afternoon. And uh, I want you all to know that if you are interested in upcoming interviews, please go to WashingtonPostLive.com where you can register and get all the information for um, what's coming up. And I'm Robin Gavon. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for listening. To hear more interviews from this series and other Washington Post Live programs, visit us at WashingtonPostLive.com.